0: Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast. We turn our never say never attitude to a nuanced debate about Newcastle. John and I are going to have a quick chat. Uh, it's Wednesday lunchtime just after the uh, Newcastle game the night before. Uh, we've got a really nice special guest to bring you, uh, which we'll do in a few minutes. But firstly, John, let's talk about the game up north last night where you can either see it as two points dropped. You can either see it as a fantastic comeback. You can either see it as... Our start was so bad, we couldn't afford to not you know go two games in a row without a win. Or you can either see it as unbeaten completely in November. It's, everyone seems to be a bit confused as to whether or not they should be elated or, or heartbroken.
1: Yeah, I think all of those things are fair. And, uh, you know, as always with the Norwich City debate, it's a little bit more nuanced than, than the black and white that, that some people want to make it. Look, I think for me, there, it, that was probably the most stilted performance of the three games um under dean smith's tenure thus far and it was disappointing because you know when you when you have a player that's red carded after 9 minutes there is an expectancy that actually a team should be able to go on and win the game um and all right you know you can make some arguments that that perhaps the officiating um wasn't as good as as perhaps it it could be but at the same time Norwich's were ma- oh, norwich were masters of their own destiny and they just didn't do enough i think that's the thing that disappoints me but as you've just gone on to say, that's kind of coupled with we're four unbeaten. We're still three three clear of Newcastle. You know, we're kind of in touch with fourth and fifth bottom at the moment. I think mean, that's pending results tonight. But, you know, it's um it's not looking too bad. And if you'd have said to us, say, like six or eight games ago that, that it was going to look this positive, I think I'd have probably laughed at you because, you know, there was no sign of this coming. There was no sign of, of Norwich you know, going for unbeaten and, and picking up a couple of wins and, and for the whole mood music to have changed and for people to feel like we've got a chance again. And that's, you know, ultimately that's what it does feel like at the moment is we've got a sniff and it, it isn't going to be this, uh, maybe I'll speak too soon, but it isn't going to be this, this whole kind of slow, um, really depressing walk towards relegation. Actually, you know, Dean Smith's side looked like, Um, They are rejuvenated. They look like they can put in performances that they can compete with with their Premier League counterparts. And and hopefully we can pick up the points, maybe not necessarily to do enough to escape relegation, but certainly to be in the fight for that. And I think that's all we could have asked for after the start that we'd had.
0: What certainly seems to be clear is that we are going to scrap our way to um, maybe a bottom five, bottom six finish, um, but a bottom two finish looked absolutely certain only a few weeks ago and you know not to not to be that you know we're either the the fan police or the nuance police but to put on my my nuance (laughs) and you want to be careful how you say that um put, put put on my nuance hat um i i think it's it's testament to um the mood music um as you mentioned there uh being so different that we're now outraged to not have an away win i mean you know we would we would have taken a draw even against 10 men um Away from home against anyone we were playing a few weeks ago because it would be another point, and it would, you know, it would have at a certain point of our season. It would have, you know, been half of our points again, you know, prior to that Brentford win. So I'm really, um, I'm really heartened by the fact that we didn't look beaten at any point last night. Now, yes, it's frustrating that um, as um, Newcastle fan um, Alan Shearer said during the the, the the, after the first half, Newcastle were the better team in the first half, and they, they only had they only had you know, ten men for most of it. Um, they, they probably were, uh, and it was really disappointing how slowly we moved the ball. That's obvious. Really slow, really badly. Um, we, we went back to it looked like um, Farker one point zero, the 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 that horseshoe shape of running down the left and then coming back round the back and then going down the right and then coming back around. The, no challenging balls through, and whenever we did, I mean the number of misplaced lobs into the box last night. It was just unfathomable that so many passers and different individuals, it wasn't the same player every time, just collectively were unable to weight their balls to actually tease the, the goalkeeper who looked dodgy to me all night Dubravka. Um and obviously he was he was he was involved in um the goal in that it was a parry that led to to Januz's lovely little layup for 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 Puki's incredible volley. Um but He he looked. I I think he looked mistake prone whenever the ball was near him, and we needed to be a lot more. We needed to test him a lot more than we did. So whilst that was really disappointing, we never looked beaten. So um, we 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 kept plugging away, and the attitude I think that the players seem to have shown that they seem to have almost hit the reset button from a characteristic point of view. They they seem to have really benefited from you know kind of shrugging off the we haven't won in ages we're destined to go down Farker can't do it at this level um this is the same coaching setup that took us down last time with a whimper the players seem to have benefited from from kind of shrugging off that that kind of misery blanket um and i just want to give a shout out really to um smiths uh, trying to change it positively again you know players will start to have their heads I saw a couple of shouts at half-time along the lines of, oh, that'll help his confidence no end, you know, being pulled off at half-time. This is Jollis, who I thought was, other than one, he created our best chance in the first half and almost almost in isolation, he did nothing else other than that. Um, what he, the, the more Smith makes changes at half-time, when things aren't going well and he clearly needs to try and affect the game um, or, or their stasis or whatever, and, you know, blunt you nil-nil know, like Wolves, the more he does that at half-time, the less it will affect the player's confidence as being, being hooked to half-time because it becomes something that regularly happens at Norwich. You know, Effectively, um, if you haven't had one of your better games at half-time, I'm going to change shape and I'm going to bring someone else on to, to try and influence the game in a different way. I'm going to try and drive more through the middle by bringing PLM on instead of trying to go through the wings, which isn't currently working. I mean, It's weird how we were better at moving the ball wide when we took a wide player off, um, but we were. And your new list, likewise, I thought gave us real energy. He was obviously told to, to come on and and it doesn't matter if we lose 2-0. Let's make sure we don't, you know, let's try and make sure we at least get to 1-1. That seemed to be the the, the management directive. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, I'm i feeling far more cup half full um, than, than, than any of those the more doom and gloom stuff I said out at the top in the intro because we're unbeaten in the Premier League in a month. I mean, that's just... That's very un It's incredibly un-Norwich. And that, that, yes, OK, there's a couple of opportunities there where it could have been three instead of one. But it's a bit like my terrible golf. Um, yes, it's disappointing to miss a par putt. Yes, it's disappointing to miss a birdie putt. But if I keep putting myself in the position to miss those putts, then the scores are going to come down. And Norwich to be, I'm delighted to be in a position where I can even bemoan the fact that we've dropped two points because that means we've got one, you know. And yes, we need to average better than a point a game. But if, we, if if the dis, if if the disappointing outcome tends to be a point, that means that the threes are going to come. And if on an off night, we still manage to go up against a fantastic crowd. I thought the Geordies were, were superb last night. The noise was fantastic. They lifted their players. They, they really played their part last night, I thought. It's a great, great home support. Um, and that is a tough place to, to break down what is effectively a, a training exercise, seven, eight players with, let's have it right, some great talent. Joe Linton, I, I personally think he was... Um, probably over 90 minutes, one of, the, one of the better players on the pitch. Uh, work rate was superb, bought fouls. Um, and, and, you know, you've got Maximan, who's, who's you know, way better than anyone we've got in our team. That is that is not an easy job to um, to kind of go and just waltz past and win 3-4 when you're not in the mode of winning all the time anyway, which we still aren't. So I'm very much a, a cup half form. I'll be interested, John, what you think about uh, going into the, the coming games, whether you think Smith feels he needs to keep mixing it up first 11-wise because he hasn't had back-to-back consistent halves yet. You know, he hasn't had a first half and a second half in one game that have been consistent, and he hasn't had a brilliant Mm. second half followed by a brilliant first half yet.
1: Well, I think think Wolves uh, across the 90 minutes was a a really, really good performance. And I I think for both halves, you know, we bested them. And, And I think for me, that's probably where... The issue laid for me for last night, because everything positive um, on Saturday went through Milo Rashica. You know, he was the, you know, the man who would make things happen. He was the one who was an outlet. He was the one who could stretch the play. He was our creative force. And that was the, the issue for me. As soon as I saw the lineup and I saw Rashica was, was injured, and, you know, obviously this is prior to the sending off my confidence kind of drained away as to whether we would get a result because he just feels like he's rejuvenated under Smith and he is so integral to to us going forward and, and creating chances and, and just doing things at pace. And you, you talk about, you know, kind of a slow and, and maybe ponderous way forward. It did feel like that at times last night. It's interesting you say about um, Les Malou coming on and, and your new list, um, you know, kind of having an impact. You knew this definitely had an impact. He he offered, you know, more of a you know a wide option when the central midfielders had, had kind of congested it a bit more. But I I was really I was really surprised by the half time substitution because as much as you could argue that that Jollis wasn't having the impact that, that we'd have wanted him to have, at the same time, could have just been some tactical tweaks that, that might have you know kind of sorted that out and might have, have made the difference. There's clearly a talented player there. I'm always of, of the old school that you know when a team goes down to 10 men you should be looking to stretch the play you should be looking to pull players out of position and make your numerical advantage count and it didn't feel like Norwich did that enough I think last night I think we were we didn't move the ball quickly enough we had a lot of players in central areas now maybe that was with a view to making sure that Max Aarons uh, Max Aarons sorry and Yanulis or Williams as it was you know kind of just after half time were able to get forward but I don't know, it just for me, I think it was the first time where I looked at Smith's substitutes and I thought, yeah, I disagree with you tonight. And and that's that's not a dig, you know, he obviously knows a lot more about football than I do. Um, but everything that he'd done up to that point had been absolutely spot on. I mean Kieran Dowell is, is probably a case in in point, you know, it just felt especially at, at 1-0, that we weren't necessarily going to be able to unpick the lock and Newcastle were retreating were further into their shell making themselves, you know, kind of obdurate and more difficult to beat because they were holding on to something. Good word. And uh, thank you. And um, you know, the, it just felt like we needed someone to, to be able to, to create something out of nothing because, you know, in, until you knew this kind of lobbed that ball in the box, what were we going to create? It didn't feel like anything. Oh, I think um, I don't. I, I
0: I have to. I, oh, I don't know. We, can, were just, he, well, I he didn't we were just. I think we were throwing it into the box. No, no, no. oh don't no, no. Well, You're your, so your it, was, it, it was. It not a lob throwing. into the box. It was All a right. beautiful side footed weighted so, ball up for for Pukie to score. What is going to be okay. one of one of the goals of the season? Have you beautiful seen that stat? goal? Have you seen that stat that he scored? I think it's NCFC numbers. As always, hero of ours. um 47% of our Premier League goals <laughs> have been team with the last couple of times we've been it, And that's, that that's a madness.
1: But I think ahead of that. So, yeah, oh, you're right. OK, him. that's, 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 that's a fair him. challenge. That's a fair challenge that, Lobbed you know, this ball box. was decent. But it but we were lobbing it into the box ahead of that. And and Max Aarons, if he's going to be used as an outlet on the right, isn't a very good crosser of the ball? And, and that's something that we certainly need to work on and he needs to work on to to make us more effective, because we do look like we want to cross the ball a lot more than we did We did under Daniel Farker. Um, you know, and that's something that that we're going to need to adapt to as a team, because the one thing for me that that seems to not necessarily worry me, because I think he's going to be patchy and he's a young player and, and perhaps we need to harness his skills um, in the best way possible, is Josh Sargent was was completely anonymous last night. And so when you've got Toddy with we're we're told is a you know COVID-related absence, whatever that means. Um, you know, if he's been pinged or or whatever, I I don't know. Maybe that suggests that he hasn't been double vaccinated. I'm I'm not really sure. But well, you know, whatever that situation is, he can't he's not he's unable to play as it stands. When is injured, when you know we we haven't got the creative talents that that you know are able to do it in a more considered and skillful way you would hope that Sergeant might be able to be the hard work and the ring, battering ram that, that we needed. And he just wasn't last night. He was nowhere near it. He was, you know, kind of just... He looked a little bit lost in the situation. And I just hope that we're able to develop him because he's starting ahead of Adam Eder. And all right, Ida came on and he, he didn't do an awful lot. Um, but he's starting I, ahead I, of an Adam
0: Eder. But honestly, that, that coverage last night was fucking atrocious. But I mean, just
1: yeah, just to get back to Mister Edar, let me Edar. make a point about him, sir. Um, is that I think as much as Norwich may feel that he can add value to the squad right now and he can be like a second or th- a third line option for for striker, are we still t- you know are we stifling his development because the lad's what nineteen twenty years old I think at the moment. Um, you know, he's not getting any kind of regular football. He he feels like he needs regular football. He feels like a player that needs to be in his rhythm. He feels like a player that needs to be scoring goals and touching the ball and, you know, and kind of just building up that confidence. And he can't do that at Norwich at the moment because he's he's never going to start if, if Timmy Pukis fit. He's never, you know, he's always going to be, you know, kind of third choice as it stands. And... That isn't the Norwich way. This is, a, you know, kind of a red hot youth talent which, you know, starts games for the Republic of Ireland. It feels to me like we need to make a decision on him. And, and possibly if we're looking to do any business in January, it might be a more experienced um, foil or, or you know, kind of replacement for pooky and get Ida out on loan because I'm really confident that he could be, a tremendous asset for us moving forward, but I just don't think it's this season in the Premier League.
0: I agree. And and I think when he had his opportunity, he was offside anyway, but when he had his opportunity, the way he snatched that volley Mm -hmm. is is someone who has come on, come into the game with 18, 19 minutes left and is trying to make an impact. Um, And, you know, he's exclusively used from the bench. And I I completely agree that, um, I mean, I was surprised. I I assumed the championship loan was exactly what was going to happen. I mean, he might have eight to 10 goals in the championship by now. And we might all be saying, well, hang on, we need to get Ida back in January. Maybe he would have been a fantastic person to recall in January and become that foil to Timu, you know, full of confidence, full of um, the right touch and and being calm in front of goal because he's been, you know, scoring at slightly lower, quite a lot lower level at the championship. Um, And now that option is taken away from us. Sargent hasn't worked yet. However, I do feel with his age as well, because. I don't know. You kind of he, he sort of flies under the radar that he's one of these kid. He's you know, a kid anyway. He's still got so so much development to go. He's far from his peak. He was he was he was shit last night, and he knows he was. He knows he didn't do do as much as he should have done. The effort is superb. The fitness is superb. I just think that I think he can be coached into a good Premier League player. Um, but if but whether or not he can be coached into a good Premier Premier League player to contribute as regularly as we need him to um you know, before the end of this season is another matter. And therefore, I'm I'm with you. I, I think whilst we've already been we've already had the kind of um the messaging from the propagandists at the club that um you know we're already being fed that it might be a quiet you know it might be quiet in the Premier League generally all right Stuart. That, you know, I know that you're trying to say that we shouldn't have our expectations up, but I think we need another attacking option um because you know Rashitz is great but look how bad we are when we don't have him. Um, Jolis is is a raw talent uh, needs a lot more development. Um, makes Farker look right not to have played him so far. What he has done when he's played, um, and Sergeant likewise is a raw talent who I think I think could become fantastic. So you either play either from the start, which I wouldn't be surprised actually after last night if um, if Todd can't go and what and just to pick up on that because that was at the start of your point. Um, what was on the broadcast last night was that um, Simon Thomas said he was terrific. And Crosser couldn't watch couldn't watch any of the coverage after the, the game because uh, I couldn't bear to, to listen to you know Newcastle just being talked about exclusively in terms like we. It's like listening to local radio following following some of those pundits. Um, but when when um, what Simon Thomas said was that he was waiting a PCR negative test um, and he hadn't he hadn't he was awaiting the result or something, which would suggest that it's not a uh, it's not a vaccination issue. It's a, he should be available for Saturday. Um, uh,
1: yeah, but I mean, yes, possibly. And I, I, I don't know the Premier League protocols, but you know, if I, if I wanted to go into my workplace and I've been double vaccinated, I don't have to wait for a negative PCR if I've been in close contact to someone. So, yeah, it, it, look, I, I'm not going to profess to know Premier League protocols. It just feels like there is a. Circus around Todd, and there has been all season, and so it's very easy to remain highly skeptical about anything when he's he's nowhere near an eighteen, and didn't come on on Saturday when perhaps you would know, have expected him to.
0: Well, anyway, p- point is uh, he he doesn't seem he might not be available, um, and mm-hmm. the, the point we're making here is Edar, um, and I think Edar could well see himself start in that
1: that that kind of sergeant style role like a wide um, forward you mean yeah, yeah. I, I, and i've got i've got no issue with actually i think he's probably looked more well, he's purposeful here now. and you know Wh- whilst kind of, yeah Whilst would have him on
0: loan he, he isn't on loan he's here and i, I don't want yep. him on loan because i don't think he's got a, a potential to be a, a number 9 in the premier league i think he could well be the the long term uh, heir to replace spooky he, he's shown enough goal scoring now and ability and calmness in front of goal and he's good in the air that that i think he put, that that is his ceiling However, to get to his ceiling, he needs time in front of goals so that he's not snatching at 15 minutes here, 10 minutes there, like you said. So um, the, the only reason I want him on loan, not because I think he can't help us, like I say, how wonderful would it be if we had sent him out for until January, got him some confidence and brought him in almost like, in inverted commas, a new signing in, in January to help up front. But yeah, it's down to whether whether or not um, Craig, Shaky Wakey and, and, and Dean, but obviously mainly Shakespeare, can coach Sargent to be just that bit calmer um and can we and... pick up on that
1: that that actually I've never ever come across a time when I think when a manager and his assistant manager has come as a pair if you know what I mean it's always been like Daniel Farker's Norwich City or you know kind of Paul Lambert's you know Norwich City or Ipswich Town or whoever you might think you know so... he, he seems to be so intrinsically linked to Smith. And it's almost like, oh, look, it's Smith and shaky. It's the lads kind of thing. And I'm like, where's this come from? Where... Well, how have people picked up on this? Am it's I missing Shakespeare- something?
0: Yeah, I, well, well, yeah, you're, you're missing Shakespeare's CV. I mean, Shakespeare's CV
1: is superb yeah, as a coach. That's fine, but like, loads of assistant managers have got brilliant CVs. Like, that's it's just almost. Yeah, but uh, they don't
0: tend to end. They don't tend to up at. They don't tend to end up at Norwich. They don't tend to end yeah. up a team that looked so rudderless. And okay, okay, the evening of the the sacking, they just won a game. I think that's what is. Um, that's what is exciting. Is that. Um, He has genuinely achieved things in the level that we are trying to compete at at the moment and it's just so reassuring to have that known quantity um, that you know other clubs cover and other clubs uh, have have got value from and um, it's nice to have someone who is already well thought of before they have to earn it with Norwich and achieve it with Norwich um and, and yeah it's down to it's down to them look if they can coach a couple of these guys up, they've said they you know they've made the noise the noises around all oh, we're pleasantly surprised by the the quality in the squad you know i e we might not be able to buy anyone in January. We definitely need to either coach up Jolis or Sargent to be regular contributors or we need another another player to get there. i think that they could turn out to be... This This could look, in two or three years' time, this could look like Weber's best window because Rashid said looks like a, a, a star um, and, and Sergeant and Zolis have clear ceilings of of really high quality players and Norman and,
1: and it, if, if, if we, we stay up, up then Norman is ours yeah exactly. absolutely
0: so so you know this could be and and an if Gilmore I mean according to most pundits Gilmore's the best player to ever pull on a Norwich shirt although again I thought he was incredibly pedestrian last night um, I think the
1: whole midfield were a bit pedestrian I think oh yeah, you know, Gil, yeah. Gilmore wasn't at it McLean wasn't at it Rup. I know a lot I've seen a few people calling him out I thought Rup did a a few good things. I thought he did a few daft things, but yeah, he made the wrong. So did every time. midfielder. Yeah, like, so exactly. did every midfielder. Yeah,
0: they they did. He he made the wrong decision a few times, and um and but but like I say, some of the um some of the the miss, miss hit lobs over over like relatively simple balls to just clip in behind the fullback to give us a chance to get in behind and pull it back. I mean, there must have been seven or eight times in the first half. And you just think, why are you all overhitting passes? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's, you think you get one or two of them every game. Of course you do, because it is hard to do that on the move when you're being closed out at speed in the Premier League. But for you all to have such an off night... And, but again, that's what brings me back to, just to sort of round this up, my 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 half full approach at the moment is, yes, of course we're going to be in a relegation battle for most of the season. That looked pretty certain. But we are we're third from bottom we're not bottom we're third from bottom and yes there's other games to play we might go back to second from bottom again but the point is we're not actually at the bottom we are within a win or a win and some goal difference of multiple teams um you know we we look like we no longer lie down and we're beaten unless something magic happens and we manage to, to you know get a, a stroke of luck we look like we genuinely are in games we are conceding fewer goals and fewer chances. And OK, they only had 10, but the um, you know the guys before us, the, the, the two teams before us were, were certainly at full strength. So I'm personally feeling very positive about the fact that we, are, we have we've gone back to being allowed to be disappointed to only get a point rather than over the moon, thank God we didn't get beat 3-4-0. So I think that's a positive thing. We don't feel adrift anymore, and that is a big thing confidence-wise going into a yeah, game because it makes absolutely. each individual game far less of a massive... I didn't personally think it was anywhere near as big a game for us last night as it was for Newcastle. For for us, that was don't lose. For, the, for them, it was must win. Um, it would, as I think I put in, um, I said to a few of my, my mates last night, um, it would be an absolute narrative nightmare for Norwich to have lost that game, um, it's disappointing to not be ten men. But the way some of the decisions went, and yeah, you know, I've seen our friend Mick has, has sort of defended the referee, and, or, or rather, just said he disagrees with one person and saying it was a bad performance. I thought that the referee was clown car again last night. But you know, until it's completely done by robots, it's going to be. We just have to accept that. And and if if you get lucky, it goes in your in your favour. But I mean, really, I'm I'm feeling really positive about the fact that we're going to give this a good go. We're going to keep picking up points, um, and if they can make the tweaks from a coaching point of view, and maybe add add one more safe, regular contributor in the top half of the picks, or or they can do that by fixing whatever's going on with Campbell, or they can do like I say, it doesn't have to be a new signing. They've got two or three players, and, or or they can get Dowell into form, and he and he kicks on and stays in the squad. Do you see what I mean? That there's so many ways that you can see this team finishing fifth or sixth from bottom and, and being safe with a couple of games to spare, which I couldn't see for the life of me on the morning of the Brentford game.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I mean, I think you're being very optimistic to say that that we might be anywhere near it with, with two or three games to spare, or we might be anywhere near clear of it with two or three games to spare. I still think this is going to be an absolute dogfight. And, and if we can take it to the wire, then that's still an incredible achievement from from Dean Smith and his, his boy is shaky, you know, I might as well buy into that hype now. Um, but what I would say, and and this, this comes from the heart rather than with any kind of analysis, is actually just looking forward to going to games again. It doesn't feel like a chore anymore. And it, it had started to feel like that after six or seven games. But it now feels like, right, actually, we're going to be in this. We're going to compete we're going to get you know what we expect which is the bare minimum you know of of putting it in and making life difficult and you know pressing high under smith seems seems to be you know kind of the order of the day it it just feels like actually look i i wasn't massively in favor of of daniel Farker going and i was trying to retain the the hope that he would turn things around but it was in hope rather than expectation and actually right now after three games it feels like a fresh voice the players, you know, kind of being up for it again. The, the players responding to that fresh voice is really what we needed, and it and it was the right call to perhaps call time on on Farkas' career. And it's given everyone a bit. Everyone, you know, any Norwich fan that you speak to at the moment is positive, and it doesn't feel like it's been like that, you know, kind of in the Norwich City camp for some time.
0: Well, it's no longer a foregone conclusion either the season or the um yeah. or, or each individual game. Um, and that, and I think, like you say, that that really does make a... Make a big difference. Okay, so the the main reason for this podcast is not to talk about Newcastle and whether or not we're half full or what have you. It's actually because we sat down with Mariella Nisotaki, the head of emerging talent at Norwich City Football Club. Really key position within the club with regards to, you know, we just talked about the transfer window could turn out to be a fantastic one and you can only tell that in you know a few months time. Um, and and Mariella is right at the centre of that, um, being involved in seeking out players, using analytics very heavily, part of the, the movement of the club to go far more data focused. And you'd imagine Mariella gets on really well with Dean Smith because he's already kind of claimed he's a data geek and, and really, really into the, to the video analytics side of things. So um, we had this conversation uh, the week leading up to Brentford. Um, and then there were a few other things to talk about uh, with regards to Norwich City in the in the couple of weeks since. So we wanted to make sure that um, people had the opportunity to or rather would want to listen to a, a, a conversation with part of the scouting team at Norwich City because they actually have the headspace to not just be reading about new managers or which manager it's going to be, etc. So here's our conversation with Mariella. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, and we'll be back the other end to, to say goodbye in a nice way. But enjoy Mariella. <music> Tell us a bit more about what your day-to-day role looks like. Uh, it'd be good to see you know, your specific kind of job role, emerging talent. What exactly does that mean and how does that uh, play out into a kind of Monday to Friday or Monday to Sunday kind of day-to-day job?
2: Yeah, I would say Monday to Sunday, actually. Uh, especially like weekend is we know in football very important. Um, well, it depends a little bit. I mean, I'm I'm based in the office. I'm based in Norwich in general. Um, of course, you know uh, now that things have opened up again, traveling to games both domestically, abroad. Uh, you know, starting a few a few trips now, so. I would say that this oh, really every day is different i mean i i watch uh, I, I sit and uh, closely here with uh, with Lee dan who is the head of recruitment uh the technical scouts in the office as well so we are kind of working like you know watching videos uh y- using the data then i'm also like planning um you know my my games to watch live um trips abroad. I mean emerging talent is you probably can you know the the meaning is mainly players from seventy to twenty one years old. So I lead the scouting uh of those of this age group and then working very close with uh with Lee uh, on that.
1: Thank you. And just maybe tell us a little bit about, for people that don't know, your previous roles in football, maybe at Norwich City. And I know that you'd worked at Swansea before. What's your career path look like?
2: Yeah, so I come from Greece originally. You probably understand from the accent. <laughs> uh, you probably say, you know, think Spanish, but no, it's, it's from Greece. Um, so I studied uh, sports science and physical education in Athens. And then I went to Cardiff. I did a master's degree in a, a master's degree in analysis. Um, then after that, uh, that, that was one year, then I went to Swansea. This was my first uh, job in professional football. I worked before in Greece as a coach, but mainly in youth, youth football. Uh, so I went to Swansea. I did a mixture of performance and analysis and technical scouting, I would say. Um, then I went back for a few months. I worked for a Greek club um on the analysis side more and I uh, joined Norwich two thousand seventeen, uh January as a technical scout and then you know kind of have undertaken different roles um in the club uh from this from this um uh, time.
0: So you mentioned technical scout. Is, is that a specific job role that means studying data and, and footage as opposed to Seeing people perform in real life like is that what technical scout means
2: well it it is a mixture, I would say, yeah, it's not i mean yeah i wasn't involved I wasn't really involved that much uh live scouting uh, back then uh it was a lot of video it was a lot of using the data a lot of you know trying to to use the data to to flag players and then maybe watch them on video and see how they're um performing, uh, also trying to help, um, you know, the scouts by coordinating information and like uh, gu- guide them a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, this is a very broad uh, role and with a lot of different responsibilities, I would say. So
0: since 2017, would you say that the club has become more data driven than it was or, or maybe change the data model that it uses to, to define this looks like an emerging talent or, or or is it still very much similar to a couple of years ago
2: well i mean of course we are we, we are trying to improve every year it, i don't know it, it maybe is data or it can be like other other areas but uh, yeah we, we definitely have have improved there and you know we are willing to improve um every year every day i would say on that and you know we are very lucky i would say that STEER really backs up the scouting department in terms of resources, so we are very well equipped, I would say. Uh, we actually believe in that as a club, and so we use data uh, to make more, more informed decisions uh, to actually support the process, you know. Um, I know a lot of people, they're saying, uh, you know, data, you might misplace or they might lie or something, but for me, it's like, Data don't lie, really. I think the people lie. So if you don't ask the right questions, then you get the wrong answers. This is how I see it. So, you know, data, we don't really sign plays only from data, but, of course, uh, the data help us to either flag players sometimes and then we we watch them or, you know, when we like players and we like profiles, then we use data to support our, our opinion. And, you know, at the end of the day, you have to use both and you have to be, you know, intelligent enough um to to use all the available information and resources to make a more and more um informed decision so that's how we see it
0: what wins you've got data model that that shows this is a perfect signing for the position we need you've got uh vid- visual evidence the eye test of i love the way that this this person performs on the pitch what if they if they clash can data ever overrule a signing? And can, and can the eye test overrule the data?
2: Well, who who wins? I mean, I, I think you you go to the extra time there. <laughs> you know, no one really wins. And so I would say, you know, like, we don't really think like that. We don't say, oh, data say like that or, or the opposite. We, we really try to combine. It's very, very difficult that, you know, they completely, how can I say, like, outperform i don't know if that's the right word each other mm-hmm. you know you might have some uh, question marks on one side or the other but you know it's very difficult to be completely the opposite if you know what i mean
1: and we'd heard quite a bit in the last few years about um norwich trying to establish links in south america is that something that you've been involved in, in your previous roles and and how's that working out because i guess we haven't started to see the the kind of fruits of that labor yet
2: yeah, uh, it's something that, uh, to be fair, credit to 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 Stuart again, because I think he was really thinking forward back then, where maybe a lot of people would say, oh, South America, you don't have a lot of passports, European passports back then. Um, but no, we thought that, you know, we have to be there. We have to, to start exploring the markets. Also find the place that, especially in Argentina and Uruguay, there are quite a few places with European passports, uh, mainly Italian or, or Spanish. Uh, but also, we had you know our eye and our thinking was like Brexit is gonna happen, so we have to be ready and we have to be proactive. Um, so, yeah, I was quite lucky to to get to travel there like three, four times, and from that time also like like from you know starting from there, now I speak the language as well, so which is quite helpful. and yeah, it's something that we were working, and we you know continue working now. Um, I know that you're saying you know you might haven't seen, but you know there's a lot of work in the background on that, and um, I think now we are in, in a better place, of course, and uh, have already created database, have established links, and you know how we have our network there, um, and at the moment as well, like this year we took another step, so we have now a scout in Brazil and a scout in Argentina as well working for us, which is you know definitely like a, a massive help and uh, you know, shows how the club really wants to um get more uh, in that market.
0: That's really interesting. Um, mentioning Argentina, a little birdie tells us that you were really prominent in uh, spotting uh, Emi Buendia. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what specifically it was that, that jumped out? Was that an initial data? Um, was, that, was it data specifically that, that jumped out? At, Hang on, we need to take a look at this player.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, like every transfer is a really a team, a teamwork. Uh, I have to be honest with you, like so, sometimes you might be lucky to, to spot a player first or you might be, be in, the, in the end of the process. You know, it doesn't really matter. Uh, the most important is that, you know, we make the decision and uh, we, we sign the player. Um, yeah, to be honest, like Emmy was really performing very well on data. So this was the initial flag, uh, and of course, then we we've done a lot of of, of work on him, watching him a video, watching live, and um, we decided to sign him. Yeah, is there ever a
0: situation where someone like Emmy, um, you you ever wonder how is it that you that you have picked up on it and other clubs haven't? You know, is there is there ever a situation where you think? I cannot understand if he's performing that well and obviously yeah. he's a perfect example of someone who has then gone on to show what a fantastic return on investment he was yeah do, do you ever kind of shake your head at, and, and just think is there any professional pride in knowing that there are people in a similar position as you in another club who will be going ah oh, we missed that one we should we should have yeah. spotted that one.
2: Yeah, no, to be honest, there are quite a few people they have said that after, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course, that oh what a good spot and all these kind of things like uh, what a good tra- transfer for for your club and you know like I think it's it's difficult. I'm, I know and I'm, I'm pretty sure and I, I know that a lot a lot of, a lot of clubs you know tracked him uh, as they track a lot of different players. I think nowadays it's not like maybe a few years ago that you know it was maybe some clubs they didn't know some players, but now we have like all these platforms and. I think every club probably knows everything at the moment. Uh, so it's not really easy to find someone that no one really knows. Um, so I think, you know, clubs were tracking him and I think that has happened with a lot of players. But then what is missing a lot of times from from clubs is the action point. You know, it's like that decision-making, that action that, you know, OK, we like him, but now we have to make the next action. So uh, it was, I think, very good uh, that our decision-making was really quick. And we were there first, so how is the, this was the difference.
0: How secretive uh, is it between? Because obviously, you know, you're going and sitting and watching games. You you will therefore know who the other scouts are, at other other clubs, and um, naturally, you you you'll. Would you ever say, "I'm here to watch so and so," or or would it would it be a case of you mustn't tell anyone who you're there to watch, um, and you mustn't share with each other what you know, which specific. Um, uh, which specific data point are we really, really excited about right now? Uh, do you see what I mean? Like,
2: how, how much do you think yeah, it's yeah. actually One different from franchise. club to club? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, to be fair, it's a. I mean, yeah, it, there is a confidential part, I think, on it. Of course, you can really uh, discuss openly. I uh, oh, don't know if it's your targets or the information, but always, to be honest, because I've been in a lot of trips, and, uh, as you said, with a lot of scouts around, and, you know, you always discuss... And I think that this is part of the job you're discussing about, you know, general. And it's it's very also it's very good because, you know, I think na- nowadays when you're, you're doing scouting, okay, one one part is of course to to be able to spot the player. It's, it's very important and um, fundamental. But also the other the, the other part is really to be able to get information. I think whoever gets the information first, because as we said before, everyone really knows the players, is the one that really has the uh, how how can I say, like the upper hand uh, on the situation. So, yeah, I mean, you're always sharing information, but yeah, you, you have to be, you know, it's mainly general information.
1: You talked um, a moment ago about moving quickly for for players and, and, you know, kind of being ready in the market. It seems to me like two players that we've moved quite quickly for in the last 12 months has been um, Dimitri Yanoulis and, and Christos Scholis Would it be fair to say, given your um, your birthplace, that that you were involved in those signings and do you think that Greece is perhaps a bit of an untapped market because it's not traditionally somewhere that Premier League clubs would go or Championship clubs would go to sign players?
2: Yeah no I think my answer to be honest on that is going to be similar to Emmys in terms of like yeah of course help that I am from there and you know I could um, you know help on that and maybe having previous knowledge of the the players because of that but really it was um, it was a again a, a teamwork uh, everyone has really watched the players um it was probably easier for me maybe to communicate or you know even like um, you know read things in, in in greek and all these kind of things but yeah again um a teamwork on that and uh, yeah greece it, it is an, an top market i think they are very specific their profiles now with brexit is a little bit more difficult because I don't think it's only Greece. I think as a club, we, you know, we signed players from Denmark. We signed, you know, playing from Poland, players from Greece. So, you know, we were trying to be creative uh, in general. We didn't want to go only the very traditional markets. And we actually think that there is talent everywhere. If you really do your, uh, your work and your open mind. Uh, now it's a little bit more difficult to do those. Yeah. Uh, Transfer, especially for players older than, like, above 21. I mean, under 21, probably you have a bit more, maybe some more uh, opportunities. But um, I think there are a lot of markets, and if you really do your work, then you you can find uh, opportunities.
0: So without naming any particular names, which I'm sure you wouldn't do anyway, um, is there a player where, even though you've worked really hard as a team and the data suggests something, it's just gone totally wrong once they've arrived at the, the club and they haven't worked out. So thinking, for example, two, two summers ago, you, know, that, you, know, you don't have to be an expert to know that you know, that recruitment was not a successful window in terms of a lot of the players we bought in just didn't work out. Some injuries, some other things, culture fit, all, all the rest of it. But do you as a team, you say you want to get better every day. What kind of lessons do you learn from from that? And, and is there any way that you change the data points you're looking at? Or how do you kind of avoid repeating a mistake when a transfer... I say mistake, you know, no one's done it. You, there's so many factors that goes into a player working out. But how do you kind of prevent making that same mistake again by signing the wrong sort of player?
2: Well, I mean, I think you said it. Like, there's so many factors. Of course, we... Uh, when something doesn't work out, but also when something works out, we're trying to to see why. So it, it works both ways. You know, we're not just sit, sitting on the success and say, okay, this worked out. We're just trying to find why and we, we do the opposite as well. I mean, there's so many factors, as like you said, like so many... I mean, the risk is always involved and we know it. And but it's our responsibility is really to try to... Because you you will never have a free, free risk transfer, if if you know what I mean. So our, our aim is really to, you know, if, if you have a scale, the scale to really tip on the side of, you know, like, of the, like, um, how, like, you have risk, and then you have maybe the confidence, you know, so we really have to, to tip the scale on that. There's always risk involved. So
0: so thinking about the different uh, ways that you would identify a player um, and you're talking about, you know, the scales of, of, of risk, um, I'm I'm really fascinated by how you apply different data sets to different positions on the field. One transfer in particular fascinated me this summer and that was um, getting Norman in. So Norman was one who... Um, all the talk was we need a defensive midfielder because Skip is not going to be available. So we need a defensive midfielder. But obviously there was a lot of discussion when we were linked and it was, oh, we might be getting this guy. Um, No one seemed to be able to agree what sort of player he was. So we were hearing from people who had seen him play that he's box-to-box like McLean and then we was, we were also hearing no 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 he's he's the CDM guy he, he's the replacement for, for Skip he's a, he's a defensive midfielder and then when he was re- when he was revealed to the um to the me- to the media you know he's like I'm here to be a defensive midfielder so are there examples of where there's a particular set of uh, of kind of data points where you're told right that the gap we've got is you know we think Skip's going to go now let's look at our list of players who we think fit in that position but is it ever driven by position or are you guys purely it's if the data says that they're right, we will then put them up for consideration. And then it's just down to Weber to decide if they can then fit in a formation. Do you see, Do I know that was quite not the best succinct question in the world, but do you see where I'm getting at?
2: No, no, I know. I mean, to be honest, like I I don't, you know, I don't want to comment for players um, specifically, it's not really, I don't think it's my responsibility. The only, the only um, thing I can say on that is, you know, as a scouting department, what our responsibility is to have options for every position. Then when we are asked for a position, then, you know, we are ready to react. So this is the most important for us. So, you know, we don't really want to, to go too deep down on, on, on specific things. I think the, the sport director and the manager, uh, they know more. Uh, in terms of like the style and the exactly the position that we actually need. So so it,
0: so is there um, but is there like a group of data points that belong to defensive midfield versus a group of data points that that belongs to a number eight that's box to box?
2: I mean, there yeah, there there are different positions, of course. Like there are different things that you maybe look uh, for both. I mean, ideally, if you can find someone that can play both. I mean, that's that's in general. Um, is the case for every position. It's good to have a flexible uh, squad. I think that that's that's my personal opinion. I, I would say, but uh, in general, yeah. I mean, there are different positions in there. Maybe maybe different roles. Um, but again, depends. Sometimes you want to play to play different different formations. So it's it's good to have uh, some of this uh, can fit both. But as as I said, in terms of data, yes, of course, we use uh, different data uh, for each position
0: and with with emerging talent you mentioned you know looking after 17 to 21 Um uh, i'd be interested in, do you have uh anything to do with predictive analytics so if the data is showing this at the age of 18 we think that by the time they're 24 hitting their prime this is where their ceiling might be
2: yeah we we are trying to to use data for that and to help us again i mean think in general, uh, this is not yet uh, not. I don't think not in the club in general. I think it's not yet where it has to be to really be very, uh, con like to have a confidence score on that. But we are trying to use benchmark and maybe flag some profiles, and we can then you know track and watch more. So that that's how we use it at the moment.
1: And talking about kind of predicted player ceilings, um, we'd heard on the grapevine that you might. Or you quite like to play um, football manager or Championship Manager, as it's kind of known. Or for us oldies, Um, we're really interested. Actually, from someone in the game, you know, playing it to you know, actually, you know, an idiot like me, you know, playing it at home who doesn't know much about football. Um, What's the one element, or you know, what elements are closest from football manager to real life?
2: Well, I have to say that I used to play a lot, but from the time I came to the UK, I think I haven't really played so. I'm a little bit behind uh, on Football Manager, which I've seen beats now and I've seen that it's really advanced at the moment. Uh, To be honest with you, I was still playing when it it didn't even have the field, (laughs) you know. Um, So, well, I mean, Football Manager is a big database, no? And then it is close to the reality, I would say, but then you don't maybe have all these everyday decisions that you have to make, Probably in that pressure in the end. So uh, it's a game. It's a game, but it's all you know. It, I think that's how I see it. But I think it's a it's a powerful tool. You can use it, the database from for many. I mean, this is how I started learning about players uh, when I was younger. It was by playing football Monitor. I knew just every you know every player playing in some random leagues that probably the, I didn't need to know but
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> and is there, is there any players that, that you might have have signed actually based on what you've learned in your your actual day you know day job or you know, you've kind of said to people you know friends who might play the game to say oh actually look out for him because you know he's going to be brilliant yeah
2: I have to be honest, I, I actually follow the football manager in Twitter. Some sometimes they just flag some profiles <laughs> randomly, uh, but no, it's, no, not really the case to be honest. <laughs> okay,
0: and so on. Your going back to what we're talking about with regards to balancing up what you see with what the stats tell you. When you've been on one of your trips um, and you've been uh, either in this country or another country, and you're watching the game, have you ever kind of? Um, Come away from a game thinking a player had a stinker, and then you look at the stats and you go, hmm, "Actually, no, he seems to have done quite well." Or are you now so well trained that you almost watch with like the data behind your eyes? Like you, you, you know, t- to you now, do you watch in a really analytical way?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I think it depends. If I have a previous knowledge of the of the player, then it's it's a little bit different uh, because sometimes you know the player. We can't really base our decision in only one game. The player uh, might did have a, a good game, as you said, and then probably you have a picture of of, of of the player what he can do, and then maybe you know as well some, some things about the data. But uh, if I don't know the player, for example, and he didn't have a good game, and maybe I look the data, and then they're, they're very good, then you know I, I have to question myself. No, actually not myself, but maybe the performance of the game as well, but also. Sometimes you say, okay, let's have a look. Maybe I haven't really seen that uh, in that game. So I think the most important thing is to be open-minded. You have to be open-minded and, you know, accept different different opinions, maybe from, like, other other people, but also, like, accept maybe a more objective approach. And then in the end, you have to make a decision, but you have to make a decision that is as informed as it can be.
1: And just going back to kind of data and and analytics and statistics, do you think, you know, obviously you've kind of been to plenty of countries and and watched players. Do you think that it's now complete data is completely accepted in world football or are there still some old school managers, maybe even in this country or you know, other countries where they just don't buy into it. They just want to, you know, what they see with their eyes is, is, you know, what they'll buy into. Yeah, I
2: think that still exists. It probably is going to exist less and less as we uh, progress and as, as the year comes. But um, I think more or less, you know, as you said, a lot of people have accepted it. I think this, the, the difference is how much people using using it and for what. Um, also, we have to also accept that, you know, in, especially in other countries, a lot of clubs, maybe they don't have the uh, financial ability to really... You know, um, have these resources, but I think if you are really open-minded, if you really, you know, have that the right mentality, you can always, always find ways, even with less resources, to, you know, introduce data in your decision making. Because I think data, you know, when we when we say data, we always think about, you know, chances created or expected goals and all these kind of things that are more advanced. But data, it can be also, I don't know, minutes played. You know, you can flag a player that, I don't know, plays a lot of minutes in a, a small league, or, I don't know, like a 70-year-old playing uh, player playing a lot of minutes in, I don't know, in Slovakia, for example, or even in Greece, whatever. This is data as well. So, you know, you, even by using those, it's very easy to really flag some some players.
0: That's interesting because obviously you, 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 get, you, you know, gave us a couple of the obvious ones. Is there another, is there a stat um, that you think fans probably get very, very hung up on um, but those in the know, scouts and data analysts for football clubs, know, yeah, that's not really that big a deal.
2: I think a lot of the traditional stats that we used to watch in TV <laughs> uh, a lot of times, uh, even about you know possessions and all these kind of things uh, and sorts, I mean yes, it's it is an indication, of course, it is they're describing something. but then as I said before, I think, you know if you ask them the wrong questions you have their the, the wrong answers i mean you know maybe for example there are researchers that are saying that you know shots vo- volume of shots of, of shots they don't really um pay that big role uh, or have this big role in the in the actual result. you know so a lot of people they say oh they have 10 shots and the other team had two shots how they uh, they lost for example but this is not an important indicator according to the research, you know? So again, you know, you, we, we make assumptions using their the own data. That's why I said, like, people lie really. You know, the data, data, like, is is something that, you know, if if someone says that, or if the data say that they made 10 shots and they made two shots, that's true, completely true. You know, you can't really uh, lie on that. But then is how you actually in, interpret, how is the inter?
0: Interpret, yeah. Yeah, Yeah.
2: exactly. Inter- yeah. Interpret, sorry, my pronunciation is... I, 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 think, I think you're doing. I think
0: you're doing. you pretty good. It's a lot better than yeah. my Greek. Yeah, yeah. no, that, that's fantastic. So that's, it's really interesting because, like you say, on TV we are we are shown stats, and recently we started to have you know expected chances created and expected goals, and you know some people found that tricky to get their their head around it. So is that? Um, is that closer to the type of analytics that you would pay more attention to, I- i.e. the quality of shot, the quality of assist, the, the position on the, the park where someone made that key pass?
2: Yeah, no, definitely this is a, a more advanced bet. But again, you have, to, you have to know where to use it, you know. Again, it doesn't really tell you the truth every time. Uh, you, know, you need to know where to use it and how to make your assumption based on that.
0: So that's probably why data will never replace the human scout because without the without the context that the human can apply to it
2: yeah i think i think they can do uh work for the scout 100 percent and for the decision maker but yeah in the end you you have to need the you have to have the person that you know makes the decision
0: so when you when you're out in person let's let's leave stats to the side for, for a bit um which which stadiums that you oh obvious question how, how many of the 92 have you done the english 92 league stadiums
2: well i, I think i've done more more abroad oh, okay. okay i've done a lot though in england as well uh, I, I don't know how many I, I can't even give a percent at the moment
0: and what... i've done a lot though what are your um, and what's your matchday experience like? Are you mostly sitting in with the pun- punters, or are, do you sit in? Do you get nice uh, box treatment and get to be in with the directors? What What, what is your actual matchday experience like?
2: Well, uh, it depends. I mean, uh, we're also like you know asking for tickets through the club, so it depends where they um, the other club um, um, reserve space for scouts usually, uh, so they Different clubs um, have different spaces, uh, I've, yeah, I've, I've also been, you know, in places that, of course, you have to like just uh, sit, n- not sit, like stand and watch the games uh, under the rain. You know, uh, it's not really about the the seat. I've been to, you know, to places in, uh, especially in, in South America, that you don't really have, you know, you don't really get this um, uh, comfort. You know what I mean? But uh, to be honest with you, this is probably, for me, the, the best experience in general and what I, I'm enjoying a lot. Of course, it's nice to go to a Champions League game, yes, and watching from the director's box, yes, it's nice. But in terms of me enjoying it personally, it's probably when you're like in some random places uh, watching games, probably with not uh, being as comfortable.
0: So where, where would you say is your favourite, uh, fa- would it be somewhere in South America, your favourite place like culturally to take in a game?
2: Well, I mean, that's it, personal and it's not only for football, but I quite like uh, Uruguay in general. Like, yeah, I quite like as well the, the football culture, you know, it's a very small country with a big success uh, with, a, with a national team as well. Uh, I think they are only three four, four million and they always seem to really produce top players, With they also have this um, trait of adapting everywhere.
0: Awesome. With, with the pandemic and the, the lack of travel that you mentioned earlier, um, again, no names, but have there been any players that we've signed that um, we've not actually been able to see in person? You've had to do it purely on video.
2: I think that's not the case only for us. I think probably that's the, the case in general, uh, you know, for a lot of clubs uh, that I know as well. Uh, so, you know, when you have to make, you know, I think that you have to adapt uh, under every Circumstance like football did stop, but in general the whole process doesn't stop. So you really have to adapt and make decisions. Of course, you know it wasn't ideal for anyone. In general, I think even for the players playing, but uh, also for people working uh, around it. But uh, I think you you know you really have to adapt.
1: Just um, changing pace a little bit, Mariella. We're we're really ple- we're really you know blessed at at Norwich City to have. Um, strong women in leadership roles at the club. I'm just wondering, did that make it easier for you to set in, settle in, you know, kind of in um, in life at Norwich? And you know, kind of, what's it? What are the advantages and disadvantages of perhaps being a woman in a really prominent prominent role in the football club?
2: Uh, yeah, to be honest, like you know, I'm, I'm pretty lucky because Norwich in general are very um, open-minded club, very family-oriented as well. I mean, I'm a woman, and also I'm not come, I'm not from here, you know. Uh, so when I came, I found it very easy to adapt. Everyone was very friendly, so that this was brilliant. And uh, now, in general, uh, as a woman, in terms of advantages and disadvantages, I have to be honest. I see it, and that's my personal view in general. My personal uh, thinking on that is, I always see it as an advantage, and that's because you know, when when you can do something that you can probably distinguish your yourself, I think is good. You know, people tend to remember you and sometimes maybe respect you more, uh, which, you know, you know, you, you probably don't interview me <laughs> if I, I wasn't a woman now. You, you know what I mean? Um, so I, I really see it as an, as an advantage. I think maybe it's a little bit more difficult to enter the field. And I think we have, uh, as a society, and that, I think, is I think starts from the education from a very young age, I think, to uh, create more opportunities Opportunities, but it's not only create opportunities because I think, especially in England, that is happening now. They are trying to create uh, opportunities, but I think it's also to, um, you know, try to encourage. I think as well more women to to enter the field, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty happy if you know someone, if I can motivate some other woman to to do it. Like that's for me is then really an achievement. And I, oh, I, I, I was going to say, good.
1: what what would your advice be to to girls maybe listening to this who who want a career in the game? You know, kind of what what would what words of wisdom would you offer them?
2: Yeah, I think you just have to work hard and be and be confident. You know, uh, that's that's probably I would probably say the same to someone it's a, a man, but I think it's exactly the same for 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 a woman. I think you just have to work hard and be and be confident. And once you're in, uh, you're in. I think then. Uh, everything takes care of itself if you're actually working hard and um, really like what you're doing.
0: Mariello Nisotaki there, the head of emerging talent at Norwich City Football Club. Uh, thanks ever so much to the club for getting us set up with that interview as ever. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed the review. Any thoughts, questions, comments, always feel free to get in touch with us. We're on alongcomenorwich at gmail.com. Um, follow us on all the usual social nonsense. And there are a few face masks still knocking about. If you um, go on to Norwichcom uh, you will be able to find... Um, the way of ordering the last couple that are still available uh, before we get the run out to everyone Um, we'll be back very very soon to review more games in the meantime, mind how you go